Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Josh Hyman. And I'm Thomas Welch. We got a good episode for you today, recording this one bright and early in the morning. So it should be coming out a little earlier than usual. Uh, We'll be talking about NHL agreeing to put ads on jerseys moving forward and whether or not it's the end of the world, as a lot of people on Twitter kind of think it is. Uh, And there are 55 days until the start of the NHL regular season. So we're going to be talking about a couple of different 55s in Blues history. So stay tuned to figure out who they are and how we're going to how we're going to discuss them on today's episode. But before we get into that, I want to let everyone know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. News broke, I think, like two days ago at this point, that the NHL is agreeing that in the following season, not this upcoming season, but the one after that, that we are going to start seeing advertisements on the little, the little crest of the jerseys uh, opposite where the captain's patch captain's patch goes moving forward that's going to be that's going to be the new standard in the NHL my first thought is what what are you going to do with the Stanley Cup finals patch um, but that's a good thought i didn't even think about that right neither did i until i started until i started picturing a jersey and i was like wait a minute besides that are you concerned are you freaking out? Do you think that in 10 years, NHL jerseys are going to look like European jerseys and this team logo is going to be smaller than the advertisements? Or do you think that this is just going to be like the NBA where we got little jersey patches on the on the top of the jersey and if done correctly, can actually not look too bad and, and not really ruin the aesthetic too much? Which, which side of the fence are you sitting on? I'm not really worried about it. And I think the biggest thing for me is that you can go through the replies of that tweet and just see all the European ad space and like, oh, it's a slippery slope and all those things. And I, I get being a little bit concerned about that. But at the same time, all of these sports leagues just went through a pandemic. And for hockey, I feel like it hits a little bit harder than it does for the other leagues just because there's less money to go around in hockey right now. Obviously, the right. deal with ESPN is huge for the brand and huge for the sport. But you can look at the players' salaries compared to MLB players, compared to basketball players, compared to NFL players. And it's just night and day, the numbers that they're getting uh, compared to other sports. So I think if any league would be justified in putting a little more money into not only their pockets, but into the overall pool of money that goes to hockey-related funds... Uh, I think the NHL is viable in their task to do so. And like you said, I think it's a little bit more along the lines of what basketball did in a very, uh, not unnoticeable, but you can barely tell that it's their kind of advertising as opposed to the European hockey leagues. Uh, and we kind of had this same discussion with the the helmet advertising, and a lot of people weren't with that. But I think by the end of the season, you barely noticed it. A lot of the advertising on the helmets actually looked clean and looked very presentable. So uh, I think the NHL is going to do it right. They're aware that it is a slippery slope and they don't want to end up like a, like a European hockey league, which just adds all over the place. So I have faith in Gary Bettman, which sounds weird to say, but uh, I do have faith in them in this scenario. 
I mean, I think it definitely depends. The thing that comes to mind for me is the NBA jersey ads, obviously, because it's a very similar placement. It's a very similar size. And there have been two kind of sides of the coin with the NBA jersey ads. Like, I'm a Celtics fan. And one thing that the Celtics did is their sponsor is Vistaprint. Um, but in order to sort of make the logo look aesthetically p- pleasing, the Vistaprint logo was changed to green and white. Well, actually, it might be green and white, but regardless, it was it, the color scheme matches the color scheme of the team. So, like, you really don't notice it; it doesn't stick out. But on the flip side, there are certain teams. Like, let's see if I can find a picture. Like, I, I know the Oklahoma City Thunder are a good example. They got like blue jerseys and they got a big, bright orange logo that sticks out like a sore thumb. So, I think it really depends on the approach that the NHL takes. If they sort of allow teams and advertisers to talk and say, like, maybe the Blues get. I don't know. I'm not going to guess because we could be here forever. But if the Blues pick out an advertiser that maybe matches their color scheme or an advertiser that says, hey, you can sort of make the make the logo a little bit more subtle, a little bit more, you know, flowy with your jersey and the color scheme. Or we could see a flip side and just see like a big red logo, ad logo on, on a blue Blues jersey. And then that would look a little funny. But I think if you look at NBA jerseys, there are a lot of ads that I think work well and you could barely notice and honestly are a little aesthetically pleasing even. But then on the flip side, that there are some that you could tell that they really didn't put a whole lot of effort into making them fit the color scheme, making them fit the jersey. And it looks, like I said, it looks like sticks out like a sore thumb. So I'd hope the NHL follows the the former path and, and decide and hopes to make it, you know, flow and fit aesthetically because it's really not the end of the world. I remember everyone was freaking out couple seasons ago when the nba started doing it and then no one has really talked about it since so i don't think it's the end of the world and i also don't foresee a future where we get anything more than this anytime soon where you know you're seeing big jerseys like or big big ads like in the european jerseys i don't think that that's in the nhl's future uh unless we have knock on wood another huge pandemic like event where they lose a ton of revenue but Hopefully we're not we're not heading towards anything like that. But with the way that 2021 is going, I'm not going to not going to jinx anything. And so there's been a lot of posts and speculation going around about like what would be a good sponsor for each team. A lot of them are meme worthy. I did one for Car Shield when it first dropped. I think that would be kind of cool. I don't know if they have the funds for it, though. But Josh, in your opinion, if the Blues were going to go this route and put an advertising patch on their jersey, who do you think should be uh, leading the pack for that? prime time billboard space well if i'm fitting the theme of matching the color scheme i like where you're going with this and you're thinking about brands that have uh have a, a st louis based affiliation you gotta just put a big old bud light patch on the I agree. jersey 100 percent, or anheuser-busch or something i think yeah, i think it would be blue it fits brood in the loo exactly who doesn't love a good old bud light good old-fashioned redneck american fan base yeah i think it's perfect Mm -hmm. as well i think it could fit perfectly i think it would go unnoticed it would run pretty smooth but hey tell you what if your car isn't running very smooth and you need to get that fixed you need to get yourself some car parts you need to check out rockauto.com with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry when you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. 
So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And when we return, we're going to be celebrating the 55-day mark between now and the regular season by talking about a couple of 55s, one that plays for the Blues and one's one that used to play for the Blues and players in his role. So if you want to hear what that's all about, don't go anywhere. Before we get into the, the classic 55 for the St. Louis Blues, there's one player who wears that number now. We talked about him a little bit on, uh, I believe, last episode we did. But we more we're talking about the defense as a whole. But one player that I think has the most important season ahead of him in terms of future implications for this team. He's due for a contract soon. He at one point he looked like one of the best defensemen in the league, but now struggling a little bit and really hasn't returned to form. Could be huge if he does, though, for contract implications. And that is Colton Pareko, the six foot five, six foot six monster. At times, like I said, looked like one of the best defensemen in the league, but. Hasn't gotten there since. First things first, Tommy, do you think we could see Colton Pareko from the Stanley Cup playoffs in this upcoming season? Or do you think that he has passed his prime and, and we aren't seeing that again out of him? That's a tough question. I think the thoughts that are crossing my head right now are I think there's a possibility that instead of Colton Pareko being a number one defenseman, he could be a number one complimenting defenseman. Because if you remember in the Stanley Cup playoffs, he was playing with Jay Bo Meester uh, and he was playing lights out defense. Jay Bo Meester obviously was playing lights out defense. And that pairing was one of the reasons that the Blues were locking down teams as well as they did. But it feels like in the seasons past, since Bo Meester has been gone or missing in seasons, Colton Pareko has struggled a little bit to kind of be the main guy on whatever pairing he's on. So maybe the answer is simply just putting Colton Pareko on a pairing with a guy that's better than him, which is kind of difficult to do, or maybe just better defensively than him. Uh, so he doesn't have to worry as much about locking down, but he can kind of patrol the zone, play the bodies, uh, play loose and confident as opposed to what we've seen in these last two seasons. So I expect him to bounce back, especially after the injury. I think he had a long off season to train and kind of hone his craft. But I do think there's a possibility at the end of the day that Colton Pareko is a guy that uh, complements other defensemen better than he kind of stands alone. So that could be something to potentially uh, keep an eye on as, as we get closer to reaching pay dirt and being on the brink of a massive contract. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe Colton Pareko fits more in like that 1B role where when teams are focused on him and and you know looking at him as the, another team's primary defenseman he doesn't necessarily have the tools to shut them down you know if he's going up against the mckinnons and the mcdavis of the world but you know maybe when the blues have, have has a tandem right right have someone like petrangelo where you can't really put all your focus on on colton pareko and you kind of need to play both sides that's when he really is able to dominate um that's an, that's an interesting idea even though he wasn't playing with petrangelo uh, necessarily it was pretty much like the two of them were if Petrangelo wasn't out there, Pareko wasn't out there. And if Pareko wasn't out there, Petrangelo was, wasn't out, uh, was out there. Excuse me. So I wonder if the Blues are able to find another guy that can play that Petrangelo sort of role and, and not have that be Pareko. Then Pareko would be able to shine a little bit more. I, it's also important to remember that we've had a bunch of weird seasons and he's been dealing with back problems and hasn't had a full you know offseason to recover until now. So besides 
that, you know, maybe he's not cut out to be a one, a defense and whatever. We haven't seen him at peak health since, uh, probably the cup run since he's been dealing with those back injuries. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, even if we don't get someone else to fill in that role, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a big step this season just because he's healthy and is be, is able to move without pain. Um, but still huge implications for him contract wise. Um, you know who would take a lot of focus off Colton Pareko just because of his sheer size? Alex Petrangelo? Just kidding. No, Zdeno Chara. Zdeno Chara? I don't know. That shit may have sailed. It would be a little scary to have Pareko and and uh, Chara imposing on you from the defensive end. But I'll tell you what, Tommy. If you looking at some of these defensemen that have gotten contracts this offseason, $9 million for Darnell Nurse, 9.5 for Seth Jones... Even if Pareko continues to play like he has, he's still going to get a bag. And there's two scenarios. One, he returns to form and looks dominant and gets that $9 million payday. Or the other one being he continues to struggle a little bit and, and looks like he's declining, but still probably asking for 6 7 maybe even $8 million. Are you comfortable with giving Colton Pareko that much given his injury history and given his inconsistency when it comes to his performance? I don't know. Uh, we talked about it on the last episode, but I think the emergence and uh, giving Scott Prunovich a chance also hinges on that conversation. Because if you have a guy that's a second option or like guys that are waiting in the wings in the pipeline, you can kind of afford to let a guy like this walk. But as we talked about on last episode, the Blues don't really have that besides Perunovich. So if it were up to me, you have to bring Pareko back because of what he's meant to this team in terms of an identity, right. what he's meant to this team in terms of the Stanley Cup, and what he's meant to this team in the seasons after. Essentially being one of the leaders on this team and like the new wave of St. Louis Blues players after Tarasenko, if he leaves, after Schwartz, after all these guys. So in my opinion, if it were up to me, I would bring him back. But Doug Armstrong has thrown so many curveballs in these last couple of seasons, especially with number one defenseman. So I don't know. And it doesn't seem like he loves giving out those massive contracts. Right. So it's it's a tough position to be in from my perspective. I would love to do it. I don't know if Doug Armstrong does it. That would be my my take on this. If you look at like like the Blues, make, make like a pie chart of, of each player on the Blues and how much... Um, you know, how much, what percentage of the pie they take in terms of the salary cap. It is incredibly even throughout all of it. Like obviously Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko at the top and then Falk and Krug. But at the same time, there's no, there's no Connor McDavid. That's just head and shoulders above everyone else and stuff like that. So if Pareko is asking for that big payday, that would make him the highest paid player on this team by a pretty wide margin. I, I, I think you're right. I think Doug Armstrong is a little hesitant to put that out. But again, that being said, I think the only way that he asks for that huge payday is if we see a return to form and we see him play like he did in the cup run. And if we get that Colton Pareko back, give him $15 million because he was, I think I, there were a lot of people that were putting him in the Con Smythe conversation, even when he was going on that run and putting him top 10 defenseman in the NHL. And I'm pretty sure I even have some tweets probably from that offseason saying Colton Pareko should be top 10. Because he played like that in the cup run. And if you get that out of a six foot five, six foot six defenseman, you absolutely give him that that big payday. Um, but he's one of many guys, like I said in the defense defenseman episode that we just had. Him, Krug, Falk, 
multiple guys on this team that had an outlier season last year that it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not that outlier is the new norm for them. If, if Falk is that number one defenseman, if Krug is going to be a little bit less than what we expected, if Pareko is going to be a little bit less than what we expected. So the defense is a huge question mark right now. Um, that's, but not necessarily in the worst way it could be because it's not like, you know, there's no, no, no players on defense that are capable, but in the sense that if, every one of those guys has a worse season than we expect, then the defense is going to be in big trouble. If every one of those guys has a better season than we expect, because they're completely capable of that, then this defense could look really scary. Uh, and we're not going to find out until, until the regular season rolls around in 55 days. But I'll tell you what, Tommy, there's one more 55 I want to talk about, and it has implications sort of for the makeup of this team next year. So we're going to be getting into that. But first, I want to tell everybody at home about our good friends over at Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about your about their favorites. Tommy, I know you love that raspberry brownie, right? Am I am I on the right track? Raspberry, raspberry cheesecake. cheesecake. Say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, raspberry cheesecake isn't always available. But the classics, the ones that are always in stock. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, and German Chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get yourself a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors, and they occasionally have limited time flavors like that Raspberry Cheesecake or so many other creative flavors that you just need to try. So make sure you're always checking them out. You never know what they could be dropping. Not only are Built Bar flavors delicious and the best tasting, but they're also healthy, the reason why I love them so much. They got 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy, and Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So if you want to celebrate their success that they had this year, you got to have yourself a Built Bar. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKS15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at built.com before we continue with today's episode got to tell you guys about bet online bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online get all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs including mlb nba nhl and ufc and mma action before the next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code locked on. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on. And Tommy, I don't know if you have Jeremy Rutherford's tweet notifications on, but uh, we just mentioned Zidane Ochara, and now he's sending off tweets about Zidane Ochara to the St. Louis Blues literally as we record. So I guess we can take one little quick tangent before we get into the last 50, number 55 that we want to talk about. What do you think about the fit of Zidane Chara on this team, if that were to happen? Like I said, I think it would be amazing just having, like if he was on the same pairing as Pareko and having people take the attention off of Pareko a little bit and kind of have to worry more about the seven foot monster that's paired up with him. I think it would be a great fit for the Blues and obviously... Everything that's going on with defensemen and the contracts and all of those things, we kind of expected the Blues to just say, okay, maybe we're not going to add a defenseman and uh, kind of hope and pray that Scott Prunovich or someone else comes up the pipeline and can step in uh, in the event that Bertuzzo struggles again. But if you bring a guy like Zidane Chara in the room that has Stanley Cup experience, that has veteran experience, as much as 
anyone else in the room, I think that would be a much better play, especially in a Stanley Cup window, uh, than banking on a guy that hasn't even played an NHL game yet. So I think the fit is amazing. <laughs> it would be funny having Tori Krug and Zidane O'Chara, two Boston Bruins boys, back on the team. I'm sure Bruins fans would love that. <laughs> I would love to see him in the blue note for sure. Agreed. And they also mentioned Scott Mayfield, another guy that I would think would be a really good fit for the Blues. But we'll be we'll get into that moving forward. But real quick, because we're running out of time on today's episode, the other 55 we wanted to talk about is Cam Jansen. Not exactly going to be talking about Cam Jansen a whole lot because he's not on the team anymore, but we love you, Cam, if, if you're listening. Uh, great dude. We had him on our old podcast. You can probably find that episode somewhere. It's still up. Um, but Cam Jansen did play an important role for the Blues when he was here, and that is that fourth-line grinder role that was so crucial for the Blues in that cup run and a role that was kind of missing for the team last year, especially once Sunquist went down and the fourth line got all – jumbled up and you got fourth liners playing up in the third line so what do you think that the the fourth line could look like this year tommy and what do you think that it could mean for this team if that fourth line gets that identity that identity back that they once had you hit the nail on the head with sunquist he's kind of the heart of that bottom six really the entire bottom six for the st louis blues killing penalties being that two-way player i mean that trade looks amazing in hindsight, getting Clem Costin and Sonny for Ryan Reeves. But the Blues do have a revolving door, kind of, of bottom six guys that could potentially be slotted in. I know Barbashev was moved up and down the lineup a whole ton last season, but he's one of the hearts of that bottom six as well. You got Kyle Clifford, who is still on contract until the end of this season. Mackenzie McEachern still has a lot to prove. Dakota Joshua is a young guy that Keith Kachuk loves, as we always talk about him. Um, he plays that style of hockey. You lost De La Rose, you lost Pagansky, but Clem Costin is coming into the fold as well. So he could play. I mean, Clem Costin, he has the wrecking ball mentality of a fourth liner, but he also has the scoring potential of a second or first line guy. So depending on how he plays in the NHL and what his skill set looks like, he could really be slotted anywhere in the line. So there are a lot of options for the Blues to be successful in the bottom six. Uh, it's just a matter of taking the time to figure it out, pair guys together, see how they work, and then hopefully striking pay dirt. I think the fourth line is something that sort of flies under the radar just for most NHL teams, not just for the Blues, but as we've seen, it can be very crucial, very critical in terms of a team's identity. And it's nice, you know, when you're not putting some of your your studs out there to have a line of guys that you know can go out and grind and make it tough on the opponent and sort of sort of flip it up, you know, you're not, or switch it up. You're not relying on them to go out and score goals, but they can go out and make life difficult for the opponent and wear them down, tire them out, and make it so when that first line comes out, when that second line comes out, the the other team didn't didn't just get a shift off by playing your fourth line. They had to they had to work their butts off and now you got a tired group of guys out there facing your first line. So it could be pretty crucial for the Blues next year if, you know, depending on who ends up on that line, if they are able to form that identity. So I'm looking forward to it. Fourth line's always fun to watch. If Zach Sanford is on your third or fourth line, he's scoring 10 goals. I'm fine with it. He scored 10 goals last season. He scored more goals than Robert Thomas. He scored more goals than he scored more goals than Jaden Schwartz. So like we've said before on this podcast, I don't have a problem with Zach Sanford playing in the bottom six. The minute I have a problem is when you put him in the top six. And that's kind of why there's been a lot of discussion about the usage and Zach Sanford as a hockey player, but I think he's a viable asset to this team if you put him in the right slot. So bottom six minutes for him, I'm all aboard for that. Absolutely. But I think that's all we got time for today. So thank you everyone so much for listening. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. 
Trust me, you're not going to miss some of the episodes we got coming up next week, not to spoil it so much, but uh, we have a, a guest that could be returning uh, from from way back when that was uh, pretty pretty big, and we'll be getting him back on potentially, hopefully. So Our guest had more goals than Zach Sanford. So. Interesting, interesting. Not to spoil it too much, but uh, yeah, you might be able to guess there with the, uh, with the hints that Tommy has given. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. That way you won't miss that episode or any other episode that we've uploaded. Leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts if you're feeling kind. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Locked On Blues. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Follow Tommy at T Welcher15. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, let's go blues.